Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Every believer is an overcomer through the power of faith. And today we continue our series titled The Journey with a message titled Above the Circumstances, Part 3. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Let's pray and we'll get right into the word for the day. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that as we prayed for our brother and our sister, Lord God, that we also pray that the words that come forth from my mouth today would not be my own. Lord, let them be the words that you would have for this group of people assembled here today. Feed them by revelation, the knowledge, the understanding that they need to know. Lord, empower them and strengthen them, Lord, to activate the word of God right now in their current situation. I thank you right now as they activate your word in faith, Lord God, that you will also manifest yourself and manifest the results that you desire for us, Lord. And then grant to us a supernatural compassion that we have enough love in our hearts to share those things which we have seen and heard of you, that we would commit them to faithful people, Lord. Teach them to other people. Let others be blessed by the things that we learn. Lord, we thank you and give you praise for supernatural things happening in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. I want you to open your Bible to um, the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. Yes, abundant kids, you guys are dismissed. Amen. Praise the Lord. So while the kids are heading out, you're opening your Bible to... Isaiah chapter 60, and while you're doing that, we're going to bring up on the screen some things that we've been talking about previously. So we've been on this 25-message series called The Journey, and so we've been talking to you about what it means to be on a journey, and the foundation scripture that we were starting from is in the book of 3 John, verse 2, which says, Beloved, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And to prosper and to be in health even as your soul prospers, we talked about the word prosperity and the word prosper in the New Testament, the way John uses it, it is a word that means not just that you have a bunch of wealth and riches. It means that you be equipped for the journey of your life. Whatever you need in your life that, that he's praying. He said, I'm praying for you that, that, that you might prosper. That you might have what you need, everything that you need, and be in health, even the way your soul is prospering in you. And so there's a need for us to make sure that our end of the, of the situation is that we cause our soul to be prosperous. So what does that mean? It means I cannot be, I cannot afford to be. Not that I can't, because I really can I can't afford to be overcome with worry. I can't afford to be overcome with fear. I can't afford to watch the news and see it and grieve. I can't afford that because I need my soul to prosper because my soul prospering is the key to me being effective in my journey. And my journey not only has to do with my life, it also has to do with how I impact the world that I'm sent here to be in. Because if we believe we're here by accident or by happenstance, then we won't believe that we have power or we have a purpose. But we're told that God knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb and called us. That's the part we miss. Amen. 
He told, he told Isaiah, he said, listen, excuse me, Jeremiah. He said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I already knew you. And I appointed you that you be a prophet to the nations. In other words, God didn't just know us, God appointed us. That when we were born, by the time you hit the atmosphere, had a purpose. Amen. 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 It doesn't make a difference how you got here. When you got here, you have the purpose. Unfortunately, as Miles Monroe said, unfortunately, sometimes purpose is not known. And where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. In other words, if you don't know your purpose, then what you will do is you will abuse what you have. A man who doesn't understand the purpose of his wife will at some point abuse his wife. And I'm not taking it to the extreme. I'm saying that sometimes we will misuse people around us if we don't understand the reason why they're there. Amen? Sometimes we will misuse resources that we have if we don't understand why we have the resources. Amen? See, the world teaches us a system of thinking concerning what is valuable and what's not valuable. And sometimes we do not challenge those thought processes. And because we don't, then we end up in bad situations. Because sometimes people are, are taught that money is the, most critical, is the most critical thing. And we need to pursue money. We need to pursue money. need to pursue money. And when we pursue it, we find it and we get it. And we find out money doesn't mean anything. Money is a medium of exchange. And if you make it something more than that, then you're going to miss all things altogether. Amen? Because I know people with stacks of money who are miserable. <laughs> I, knew, I knew some people. They were married. Wonderful looking couple. They were making a huge amount of money and they couldn't sit in the same room together. Because money didn't mean anything. They were making all kinds of money. They had a really beautiful house. They, every, everything externally perfect, except one thing. We married each other and we can't stand each other. So money was not the problem. <laughs> Amen. If you believe the wrong thing about resources or things, if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you will misuse it. Christmas time comes, little kids are opening gifts, and they abandon the gifts and start playing with the boxes. Why? Most, most popular thing at my house at Christmas time, before Christmas, was the empty roll from the, uh, wrap, from the wrapping paper, right? <laughs> you can do anything with that. Man, you turn your imagination loose with that. Man, I'm looking. I'm looking, to, looking across the nation. I'm looking. You know, it's a telescope. It's a sword. It's everything, right? <laughs> like my mother said, if I knew that, that's all you would have got. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But that gets into the next level of this, and that is purpose is not revealed in the receiver. Purpose is revealed from the creator of things. So you can always use things for what what they become useful for, but the purpose of a thing is never found within the thing. The purpose of the thing is always found in the mind of the one who created the thing. So you will never know your purpose until you can talk to your creator. 
You can find things to do. You can be a telescope. You can be a sword. But that may not be why you were created. And only way you can identify how you were created and why you were created so that you can actually benefit from the prosperity that's around you is to know who you are. And we come to know who we are as we come to know our God. And then he begins to reveal why we have certain things. Why we are the way we are. Amen? Sometimes why we are in the circumstances that we're in. Because sometimes bad circumstances seem like punishments. And sometimes bad circumstances are set up for you to discover who you are. <laughs> Amen. I used to, I used to uh, think I was slow running. I used to really believe I was slow running. And then one day, me and a friend were walking down the street, probably about 11 years old, walking down the street, and this dog jumped over the fence and came after us. And I, never, I was never able to beat that guy running till that. <laughs> I found another gear. <laughs> because there was a need, a demand. There was something pushed against me. Before I was just running to run. Now I'm running because I'm, I have a purpose. And running with a purpose, I found out I actually know how to run. <laughs> amen and that sounds funny but guess what it happens to you too amen, amen. there are circumstances that come and it, and it's not until a circumstance causes you to rise to the occasion that you actually discover who you are amen we've been talking about five things number one these things and then these are all going to tie together so listen close these five things the first area that we said that god has put things in your life to cause you to prosper is your relationship with him. And in your relationship with him, you discover your relationship, who you are. So the very first thing is your relationship with God. Covenant relationship with God. In Christ, we have a covenant, a agreement, a relationship with Christ that bridges our inadequacy and allows us to talk to the divine. To talk to God directly. Not through mediators, but through Christ himself. To be able to talk directly to God. First thing. And when you can talk to God and you can hear God's voice. How do you hear his voice? Sometimes you hear it through his word. Sometimes in your prayers you feel the guidance or direction of the spirit. Sometimes you just know stuff. You don't know how you know it. You just know it. But how do you do that? Because your connection with God causes you to supernaturally have another sense. And it is the spirit that's talking. Amen? So the very first thing is relationship with God. And when that relationship becomes strong, the stronger it becomes, the stronger you become. Because you benefit from relationships. I became stronger when I married my wife. Amen? I became stronger. Why? Because two shall become one. And so now what she has is now mine. So her sense of organization and her sense of getting stuff done, it became my possession. Not that I don't own her. Don't nobody run away with that. Right. But I own those things. But now she also owns my dreams. She owns my 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 demeanor. 
She owns those things that are unique to who I am. Now she owns those things. She has those things. Because why? The two shall become one. So we benefit from relationship. So that's option number two, or item number two. And that is when we build relationship with God, we benefit from that relationship. But we also then benefit from our oikos. What is that? Those people who God has supernaturally put in our domain. And the word oikos is the word that when the man who was, who was uh, out of his mind, when Jesus restored his sanity, he says to Jesus, he said, I want to come with you. He says, no, don't come with me. You go to your oikos. Go to them and tell them the wonderful things that God has done for you. Amen. So we understand that kingdom relationships, again, kingdom relationships defined as those people who we make connection with by the body of Christ, that we're connected to, people that we meet, people that we're engaging, those people, we benefit from the blessing who they are because iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And so when we have friends who have like-mindedness concerning the scriptures, concerning the word, and we begin sharpening each other, it strengthens us and it actually puts us in better position. I also then benefit from the blessing and the talents and the skills that they have because they have talents I don't have. Amen. Pastor Edward has a compassion and a heart for outreach that I don't have. Not that I don't care because I do. But he has another, he has another gear. Amen. Amen. Amen? If you've been out with him, you know. Yes, sir. He's been out. He's, he's, he's on a mission. He's, he has that. But guess what? There are other things that you have to offer the body of Christ that are unique to who you are. And if you learn how to become part of that body and offer those things, we're all increased and all blessed by those things. A one-person church is called a person. <laughs> think about it right but sometimes people get built around a per- church gets built around a personality sometimes it happens sometimes it, we don't have to try to make it happen sometimes it just happens because people stop trying to be what they're called to be and start trying to be what one person is and that's not the calling we're called to be unique we, t- we looked at scriptures we looked in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians it said, therefore having differing gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, having differing gifts. We all have something to offer. Romans, excuse me, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we are all brought together because of what every joint supplies. Everybody supplies something. So our relationships are key. Number three is your gifts and talents because you represent gifts and talents that God has poured into your life. And because we have differing gifts, that's how our relationship into blessing each other. But it is because we have charisma. And charisma means, in Greek, means gifts. We say, man, that person had charisma. Yeah, but that just means that they're gifted. But we acknowledge certain gifts and we ignore other gifts. If a person can sing beautifully, we say, wow, what an awesome singer. That's wonderful. And we admire that gift. If somebody can do different things, we admire gifts. We look out Sunday morning, there are a bunch of people sitting in front of their televisions watching gifted people run into each other today. (laughs) It's called football. (laughs) 
We're going to watch those people, and those people are well paid because of their, quote, gifts, in which they're going to run into each other all day. Amen. But what about the person who cooks well? What about the person who can make anybody smile because of their presence? What about the person who just knows how to just get stuff complete, done? What about those people? We don't always acknowledge their gifts, but those gifts are the ones that make things happen. What a gift it is to be able to see people walking up and no matter what their demeanor, be able to greet them and love them. It's a gift. Amen. It's a gift to have compassion for others because everybody's not born with the same levels of compassion. It is a gift. There are some people who can see someone and step over them. And some people can't step over them because their heart won't let them step over them. Because they're gifted that way. And so having differing gifts, we all have to recognize that we have been blessed in tremendous ways. And that is a level of your prosperity. So level one is to know God that you might know him. Number two, that you might know the other people that God has put around you that carry an inheritance from him. And number three, that you recognize how gifted you are to be one of them. <laughs> Amen. Number four, being made whole, being well, being alive. You recognize that you're alive. I am well enough to do whatever I need to do. Amen? Sometimes we, we, we get caught up on healing. It's healing from God. It's healing in the church. We, we get into that and we forget about all healing is, is getting you well enough to do what you need to do. Amen. Because if you are totally well and you are inactive, you are not going to be well for long. (laughs) So the only reason to be healed is so that you can do what you need to do. Do I wake up sometimes with aches or pains? (laughs) Do I get up every do and do what I got to do? Amen. Right. So aches and pains is not an indication that something's wrong with you. (laughs) It just means you got some miles on your vehicle. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Some of us got more miles than others. And it ain't because of our age (laughs) either. Amen. But God wants us to be free. And so there are some things that we are not free about. And sometimes our physical attacks are things that are binding us. But it's not the physical things. It's the inner messages that come with those things. Amen. You wake up in the morning. Oh, man. Then the messages start. See, that thing came and went. But now the messages start. And the mental messages begin speaking to you about, what was that? Oh my God. How was this happening? It must have been my Achilles. Must have been my this. Must have been my... Wait a minute. It was a... It was... Did it stop? Yeah, it stopped. But it must be. (laughs) Amen. 
and then we start getting ready to name stuff. Amen. You, sh- you show me your MD and I'll let you name a disease. Until then, you don't name it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but the freedom starts here before it goes to the body. You got to be free. I know totally well people who are afraid of what might happen. I know, I know people who are totally well. Is anything wrong? No, but I, 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 this is out there. Yeah, the moon is out there too. It ain't, it ain't hit you yet. <laughs> Everything out there is not going to touch you. So why are you afraid of that? You can't be afraid of things before they come. Because that fear is a tormentor. And that fear will paralyze you from doing what you're currently able to do. Amen. So this area of prosperity is recognizing right now that you are well enough to do. You are alive right now. You are free right now. And you have no limits on you right now to what you can do. And when you run into your limits... You need to challenge your limits and not just accept them. Amen. Amen. And then there's number area number five, which I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, but I haven't told you what it was. And that is kingdom supply, which is the ability to live by faith. So now let's go to Isaiah 60, as I mentioned. Isaiah chapter 60. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about the just shall live by faith. And we're going to look at those passages in a minute. The just shall live by faith. And we saw in Habakkuk chapter 2, where Habakkuk had been challenging God about, God, why am I witnessing all this stuff? Why are, you let, why are you letting me cry? Why are, you, why are you allowing all this violence that I see? Why are you letting all these situations that you see? Why are you letting all that happen? Why is the law have no power over the wickedness that's in the world? And those are the questions he's asking God. And God says, glad you asked. Now I'm going to tell you something. And then he has to say, wait a minute, let me sit down and listen to God, see what he's going to say. And I'm going to write the vision. I'm going to, excuse me. What, I'm going to see what God's going to say to me. And then God says, I want you to write the vision and make it plain so that he who runs, who's, who sees it, can run with it. In other words, I'm going to let you see it, but other people are going to have to run with what you see. So you're going to have to make it clear as possible so that they can run when they see it. But once we see it and we write it and we do all those things, Isaiah chapter 60 starts to speak that once you know what God has said, then it's time for you to arise. <laughs> once you write down, we write down all these things. I wrote God said, wrote down. and remember, he talked about the vision was for an appointed time that you got to wait on it. And wait did not mean to sit around and do nothing. Wait meant to serve like a waiter. 
give attention to the vision. So once God shows us what he desires, what God shows us for our lives or for whatever it is, whatever he's calling to our attention, once God shows us and he says, write it down, make it plain and wait on it, it means that you need to give your attention to it. And here in Isaiah, it says arise. Arise from what? And I'm going to read to you the amplified version of this. I want you to look closely at the screen. Arise from the what? Depression. In other words, let's actually, I won't explain it yet. I'll go further into it. Arise from the depression and the prostration in which circumstances have kept you. All right. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what that says, right? That's pretty clear, right? Arise from the depression. In other words, circumstances will bring about depression and they will bring about, about prostration. And the word prostration means to be laid down. I don't know about you, but sometimes there are things in life that make you want to lie down, get in the bed, pull the cover. Over your head and stay there. Amen. I know I look like a happy guy. <laughs> but there's some days where, man, the, the alarm goes off and I just want to pull it over my head and stay where I am. Amen. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Depression is a real thing. Sometimes church people don't want to, they, you know, man, I'm depressed. You just need faith, brother. I'm, I'm depressed. You just need faith. Yeah, I'm depressed. Brother, you just need faith. Yeah, it's that, that ongoing debate about being depressed or having faith. Guess what? I believe, but right now I'm down, bro. <laughs> I'm under right now. <laughs> I'm having a, a cloud around me that I can't get out of. I can't find my way out of it because if I could find my way out of it, I wouldn't be depressed. <laughs> if I could find my way out of my issue right now, I wouldn't be carrying a depression. But depression is real and it hits church people. It hits non-church people. It hits anybody. It has no, it's, it has no racism whatsoever. <laughs> depression is not racist it's not sexist it's, it has no ism at all it, it just comes to anybody <laughs> it don't care what your culture is it doesn't care where you came from it don't care about nothing depression just comes because it is a part of the human condition that originates from our sin nature the sense that I'm there's not enough the sense that something's wrong the sense that I, uh, there's no way to change things. And that's, that hopelessness envelopes us. And it holds us in position. And it says, depression and prostration. In other words, when depression comes, it doesn't allow you to rise. Amen. Depression holds you down. It, 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 it covers you. And it puts a weight on you. And sometimes when people are in a sense of depression, you almost feel like there's a weight on you. If I could just get it off of me. And you don't find the tools 
to do it. Amen. But he says, arise from the depression. Arise from the prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. In other words, sometimes the only way that you can break the spirit of depression is to really embrace the resurrected life in Christ. Not the advanced things, the foundations of Christ. Not, 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 not a five-day sit-in, not, 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 not prayer for 25 days, not that kind of stuff. Sometimes you've got to just embrace the quiet reality that Christ has died for me. That I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That my life is no longer my own. Sometimes you need, to just, you need to just slow down and accept that reality so that that reality can pierce your innermost being and set you free. <laughs> See, the gospel is not complex. It's actually pretty simple. He who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in him. I embrace my righteousness to push off heaviness. The word tells us that we can put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In other words, when you start to feel that way, we take our worship, we take our praise, and we begin to confess and declare who God is and the fact that he loves us and that we are connected with him and we have a relationship with him. And that relationship begins from the inside, outside, setting us free. Amen. When I came to Christ... I was an atheist, and I was in a bad state. I had a series of things happen that I was angry about, and I could not see anything except that cloud of anger around me. Couldn't see anything. I couldn't see anything. I was blind from a whole lot of stuff. A lot of stuff people tell me happened in the window of time. I can't even remember it because I was so consumed with what was weighing me at the time. And because I didn't believe there was a God, I kept running toward anything that did not say God. Anything that didn't look God like God. That's what I ran towards. And as I continued to run those things, it just made it worse. It made it worse and worse and worse. And then a person who didn't believe in God finally heard God's voice. Because you can curse God, but God still loves you. You can speak out of your heart anger toward God. God still loves you. You can speak out of turn and just quote foolishness. Anything that you think of, God's love doesn't, isn't phased by that. And when his love touches us, if you let it to the deepest part, it will set you free. Amen. And see, you have to know this because if you're going to have a journey with God over the course of your life, you're going to take advantage of the prosperity God wants you to have. It's not the exterior things that make you prosperous. It's what's happening on the inside. And when something happens to you on the inside, you will see all of the problems in the world and you will fear not because you know God is with you. Our daughter was getting ready to take a trip. She was all ready to go. She was going to Europe. 
So we'll meet some friends in Europe. Ready to go. And we pray for our kids every day like you pray for your kids every day. She's getting ready to leave. She's all ready to go. So she decides, ah, I'm going to get some new glasses before I go. So I'm going to go to the eye doctor, get my eyes checked and get some new glasses. She's just going for a prescription. She gets there and finds out that she has a detached retina. She had to have emergency surgery. She had to get turned around, get to have surgery. Now, if she had not gone to get the glasses, she would have been in Europe and something would have happened to her eyes. But she was in a position where she was able to do that and things worked out perfectly. So now she's away from her apartment in Hayward. She's at our house. She's at our house. And one day, everybody leaves, go to work. She's home by herself. She's grown, grown woman in the house. Middle of the day. Tammy was gone. Somebody broke in Tammy's car. They broke the window. They got her purse. In the purse, they found a garage door opener. They looked at the ID. They drove to our house. They opened the garage. They went in the house. They're in the house with my daughter in the house. <laughs> they begin taking stuff out the house. I got a case full of watches. Had. <laughs> Had this case full of watches. They got my watch case. 24 watches gone. They taking electronics. They're upstairs. And she happened to be in the bathroom. She said the only reason she didn't call out is because she said, Dad went out and in and out of the house about three times this morning, letting the garage door up and down. Her brother went out of the house a couple of times. He let the garage door up and down. She said, it must be one of them came back again. So she didn't even say anything. Then they heard her and they ran out the house. Now, you might say to yourself, that's a sad story. I'm not sad. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm more resolute than ever. And the reason I am is because stuff was taken, but they couldn't touch her. Our house is broken into. She ain't scared. They came in on her and said, well, I'll t- you talk to her now. She ain't scared. <laughs> she ain't stopping one thing. She off doing something right now. <laughs> she ain't scared. She has not stopped nothing. You know why? Because we are required by our belief in our God to walk by faith and not by sight. And we are not allowed. We cannot, again, I say it, we cannot be inconvenienced by the issue of fear and whether we're going to walk in fear or not. Whether we're, going, whether we're not right now, oh my God, what do I do now? I keep on living like I was yesterday. I'm going to do what I did yesterday. I'm going to pay attention to my circumstances. I'm going to pay attention to my surroundings. But I'm not going to allow myself to now because I have been touched by crime that's been happening in this city since they formed the city. I'm not going to now, since I got touched by it, now, I go, now I'm going to be scared? <laughs> Listen to what I'm telling you. This world is full of bad news. 
This world's got a lot of sad things happening. There's a lot of problems going on in this world right now. But you need not fear. It's not time to hide. It's not time to be depressed. It's not time to hide in your house. As Tammy was going around informing neighbors, neighbors are saying, yes, my house got broken into. Yes, I'm, 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 and people are afraid. They are scared. Who wants to pay a $5,000 mortgage and be scared? Now, I'm not paying (laughs) 5,000. But who wants to be paying 3,000, 2,000, 4,000, 5,000? Who wants to be paying that and be afraid to leave your house? But fear and depression will let you go into prostration. It will make you lay down. It will make you give up. I'm going to show you how God works. We called the police. They didn't come. We called the police again. They didn't come. 11 o'clock at that night. Now, this all happened at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. 11 o'clock that night, we still calling the police. They ain't came yet. <laughs> and I'm getting mad. And I'm making my plans to go to the city council. And I'm going to blast the police horse. I'm going to talk about them. And the Holy Spirit said, don't you, you need to be quiet. Stop talking so much. You need to love the police department. Keep praying for the police department. Keep praying for the people, the people on the police force. Keep praying for them. The next day the police comes, they finally get to to Tammy. And when they got there, one of the police officers is a child of a woman who Tammy had been singing with years ago. And the woman's deceased now. The mother's deceased. But she, Tammy's looking at her. Here's the name. I know who you are. Have a conversation with her. And now what? Now we have another face to pray for on the police department. Why? Because we got to recognize God's ordering of circumstances may inconvenience us. It may even hurt us. But it never can destroy us. And our job is in the middle of trial or the middle of things that happen, in the middle of things that seem like we should break, you need to draw from what's strong inside of you, which is the Spirit of God, and you need to rise up in that moment. Yes. Oh. (laughs) Grab the mic, come on. Anyway. You need, to, you need to not be afraid. I don't take no well, and we know we're taking ground. And not to put my brother and my dear sister on the spot, but I'd like to introduce you to my locksmith. <laughs> this is Francis and Paulina. Divine connection. They used to go to Abundant Life in Mountain View, where we received our refuge where we received our building up in our church transition. He and I on the curb, talking as he came in and secured our home, but he had the spirit of God on him. It's not by accident that he's here today. Take every one of your situations, every one of your tests, thank you, every one of your trials, lift your hands up. See, this is how I fight. Everything that we sing about, we live. No, you didn't know we went through that. 
You have no idea how many thousands of dollars we've poured out this week. Rob, steal. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you may have life abundantly. How are we going to be abundant life and not walk it and talk it without being victorious in who we are in Christ? Yeah. Oh, I got a message for you, but I'm going to get out the way. (laughs) Yes, she does. Better believe it. Listen. We got to rise to the new life we have. See, if you keep, if we keep thinking of ourselves in terms of your human existence and that only, you will miss the fact that your command is to rise and shine for the light has come. Listen, I'm going re- to read it to you from, uh, uh, from the regular King, uh, New King James. It says, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Amen. Arise and shine for your light has come. Your light has come. Not somebody else's. It's yours. Your light has come. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen on you. But people can't see the glory until something makes you rise. (laughs) Amen. Nobody's going to see your glory until something makes you rise. Something has to make you rise. And sometimes we won't rise on our own. Sometimes it requires a pressure put on you before you arise. When you bake a cake, you put that dough on the counter. It's not doing nothing until the heat hits it. When the heat hits it, it rises in the pan. Why? Because something has to light you up in order to get you to rise. (laughs) Amen. That's why... Paul said, listen, you need to pray for a quiet and peaceable life. Pray for your leaders so that you can have a quiet and peaceable life. Because unless you pray for a quiet and peaceful life, you're going to have heat. (laughs) Amen. Let's look at this again. Arise from the depression, prostration in which your circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Rise to a new life. Amen. I don't care what you used to be yesterday. Rise to a new life. Amen. You made a whole bunch of mistakes. You got a, tr- you got a track record of mistakes behind you. Rise to a new life. Amen. You, made, you, you came up short. You let God down. You did this. You did that. Whatever. That's fine. Today's a new day. Rise today. Rise today. Today's your day to rise. Today's the day that you say, man, the blood of Jesus actually covers my past. I can rise and have a new life. Man, shine. Don't just rise. When you rise, shine. What does it mean? Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. Let God's glory shine on you. Amen. I stopped stopped my false humility. I had to stop. I had to stop. It was because it was false humility. I was trying so hard to be humble, I was being nothing but arrogant. Arise and shine. Your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen on you. But if when you rise, you say, oh, it was nothing. It was nothing. Eh, no big deal. Eh. Yeah, I do it every day. Eh, no big deal. Oh, so God does something miraculous. Somebody's saying, wow, I can't believe I just saw that. And you say, eh, it's no big deal. I was saying, man, I'm being humble. 
But what I'm doing, I'm denying God's glory. You don't have to say, yeah, it was me. <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> but don't deny God's glory when somebody sees something and acknowledges it. Amen. You're supposed to rise and shine. Be radiant. Be radiant. A radiator is something that has something pulsing inside of it and puts off something outside of it. Amen. Hot water or some hot liquid flows through the inside of the radiator to produce heat that goes out into another area or to disperse heat from somewhere else. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to let something flow through you so much so that a radiant heat comes off of you. I think that might be the Spirit of God. Let the, with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now, you may be thinking that that's, uh, that's very cool, but, you know, the glory of the Lord doesn't show up on me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going right for the lie. <laughs> the glory of the Lord does show up on us. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to tie this up in just a minute. I'm going to lay you with uh, something, two takeaways that you need to have. But I got to get you here first. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed. Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I won't deny the gospel not ashamed of the gospel. And we live in a season where people are trying to make people ashamed of the gospel. I was watching this show. Somebody asked me to watch it, so I watched it. And I watched this one little section in here where they were really, they were pouring it hard on Christianity. Boy, they, they, were, going, they were going hard on Christianity. They were hitting it from every side. And so after I watched it and I thought about it for a while, I said, hmm, how do I need to respond to this? How do I need to respond? Well, I, can't, I can't get everywhere this, this movie's been. I can't, I can't get everywhere and respond to that. How do I respond? The Lord said, just don't be ashamed. <laughs> your, your only response is just don't be ashamed. You don't have to go try to mop up everywhere something's gone. You just have to, when people see you, you not be ashamed of the gospel. When people see you, you don't be ashamed of the gospel. For it's the, God, it's the power of God. See, if the, if the enemy can get us to be ashamed of the gospel, nobody ever gets saved because gospel is the power of God unto salvation for both the Jew and the Greek. So if he can get us to be ashamed of the gospel, then the gospel never propagates. It never goes anywhere. It never touches people who are needing it. And the people out in the world who are indebted, distressed, and discontented that need to hear the gospel will never will because the church becomes ashamed and doesn't do the very thing it needs to do. And why do you need to do it? For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith for the just shall live by their faith. In other words, you have to preach the gospel by faith, not by your feelings. Amen. Hebrews 10. Let's go there. 
Hebrews 10, verse 37. I'll move quickly here. Hebrews 10, verse 37. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall what? Live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Once again, the call is to live by faith. You have to rise and shine, not by how you feel, but by faith. You have to rise by faith. I get put in situations sometimes, and I have to go into rooms with people who I already know when I go in there, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna, it's going to be a wrestling match. I already know that. Then the Lord said, don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Go in and be quiet until you're asked, and then when you ask, I'll give you the words to say. And every time I do that, instead of trying to be aggressive and trying to figure out, go in there and I'm going to one-up them. <laughs> when I go in faith, God always wins. Amen. When I go in faith in myself, the struggle happens. When I go in faith in God, God always wins. His will always unfolds. Amen. If we're not in faith, God says, if you draw back, that's not, that's not where I want you. I don't want you to draw back. So some of us have moved into faith and moved back out of faith. God said, no, don't draw back. Keep pressing on in faith. Keep pressing forward in faith. Keep rising. Keep shining. Because why? God has wants his spirit to be revealed in you. Last one I want you to touch. Go to Galatians chapter 3. We looked at it before, but I want you to go back to Galatians chapter 3. And then I'm going to tie your takeaways for the day. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Galatians 3 and 10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the law, under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, if you want to be justified by your good works, then guess what? You've got to fulfill all good works. If you want to be justified by the law, then you've got to fill the whole law. So if you decided that, you know, I do these things and I do good and I'm fine because of that, that's great. But guess what? You're going to have to do all the other things that the Old Testament says you need to do. You might have to sleep with the book of Leviticus under your pillow <laughs> and make sure you follow everything that's in there. <laughs> But instead, we should do what it says in verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident because the just shall live by their faith. The just have got to live by their faith. When you start trying to manipulate the world system through your intellect, you're going to find that you're going to run to brick walls. You're always supposed to use your mind. Always. It's a tool that God gave us to use. You should always be thinking. You should always have your mind working. But your mind still needs to be subjected to God. Amen. Your mind needs to be subjected to God. If you don't subject your mind to God, then you will not rise. I'm going to have you look one more time at Isaiah 60 as we close. Isaiah 60. You don't have to turn there. We'll just bring it up. Isaiah 60. You can just look on the screen. We'll just bring it up. Arise. 
That's the word for the day. If there's nothing else you remember about today, arise. Arise. If you're battling with any feeling of depression, any feeling of inferiority, if you're battling with feelings of inadequacy, if you feel like you're not enough, if you feel like you don't have enough, if you feel like you're not sure, if you're not clear, if you're not, you're wondering, if you're in any one of those states, anything in which you know what to do, but you can't do it because you're prostrate, because you're laid down. If you're in any one of those things, I want you today to rise. Don't rise on your own strength. Rise by your faith in the God who loves you and gave himself for you. I want you today to rise. I want you today, write down the vision and make it plain. And then when you wake up tomorrow, you need to rise. Amen. You need to write it down, make it plain and rise. And don't write it nebulous. Make it plain. <laughs> Amen. 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 We were, we were just talking. We were just, and I wasn't even thinking about this, but we, we were talking yesterday, and I, I just asked people, what, what's, your, what's your vision for the next 90 days? What, what are you going to do the next 90 days? What's your vision for the next 90 days? And you know what? We didn't know. <laughs> we had to think about it. Because why? We haven't written it down. We haven't made it plain. And because we haven't made it plain, that means one thing is going to happen. We're going to drift into the next 90 days. We're not going to rise in the next 90 days because we have no plan to rise. We've not told ourselves to rise. We've not said, I'm going to rise in this area. And because we haven't spoke it, it shall not be. Shine. Shine means you need to have an expectation. An expectation that whatever you do, God's going to prosper your way. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you would be excited about the word today. I mean, uh, you need to have an expectation that you're going to shine. Something's going to happen. I'm going to shine. Not out of my pride, but because I need to shine because somebody needs to see my shine. My shine brings light to dark places. Amen. Mm, come on. Your shine, your shine touches other people. Your shine, whatever you are. Like I said, these two are believers. They run into each other. They're shining on each other. They can tell who each other are. Why? Because the shine was on them. You got to rise and shine. Your light has come. Your light has come. Amen. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's message titled Above the Circumstances Part 3 from our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live streamed worship services, which are broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also feel free to join us for any live service on a Sunday morning. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that 
more abundantly. 